Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. My name is Jonathan Snowbell, and we are learning the third section of Parashat Korach. In the previous section, we learned about the demise of the two groups of rebels, that Tan and Aviram and their families were swallowed by the earth, perhaps with Korach, and the 250 leaders who offered Ketoret were consumed by a divine fire, perhaps with Korach. Regarding Korach's fate, the Torah is intentionally ambiguous as to whether he was swallowed by the earth or consumed by fire, or according to an opinion in the Gemara and Sanhedrin, neither, reflecting that Korach's rebellion on the grounds of the Kehunah, that might have been on the grounds of the Kehunah, like the 250 leaders, and that his rebellion was also on the grounds of undermining Moshe's leadership and returning to Egypt like Datan and Aviram. We will now continue in our parasha in chapter 17, verse 1. And by reading this section, we will go back to the final verse of the previous chapter and understand a lot more about the divine fire that consumed the 250 men who offered the Ketoret. Vaydaber Adonai el Moshe Lemor, Emor el Elazar ben Aharon HaKohen, Viyarem et HaMachtot mi ben HaSerifa ve'et HaEsh Zrehala, Ki Kadeshu, Eit Machtot HaHataim HaEleh ben Afshotam, Ve'asu Otam Rikuei Fahim Tipui LaMizbeach, Ki Krivum Lifnei Adonai Vaikdashu, Ve'yu Leot Livnei Yisrael. ויקח אלעזר הכהן את מחתות הנחושת אשר הקריבו הסירופים, וירקעום ציפוי למזבח. זיכרון לבני ישראל למען אשר לא יקרב איש זר, אשר לא מזרע אהרון הוא, להקטיר כתורת לפני אדוני, ולא יהיה ככורח וכעדתו, כאשר דיבר אדוני ביד משה לא. Then Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Say to Elazar, the son of Aharon the Kohen, and he shall take up the pans out of the midst of the blaze, for they are holy, and you scatter the burning coals abroad. As for the pans of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives, let them be made into hammered sheets for a plating of the altar, since they did present them before Hashem, and they are holy, and they shall be for a sign to the sons of Israel. So Elazar the Kohen took the bronze pans, which the men who were burned had offered, and they, hammered, and they hammered them out as a plating for the altar, as a reminder to the sons of Israel that no layman who is not of the descendants of Aharon should come near to burn incense before Hashem. So they will not become like Korach and his company, just as Hashem had spoken to him through Moshe. The pans of which the 250 leaders offered the Ketorot are not discarded. They cannot be discarded. They were offered before God, and, and they were therefore sanctified. Instead, they will be hammered out to be a layer of cover on the altar. For what purpose? As a reminder to Bnei Israel that a foreigner, a non-Kohen, cannot offer Ketorot, and so will avoid the fate of Korach and his rebellion. Note here that Korach is grouped with those who offered the Ketorot. But something surprising is taking place here as well if we pay close attention. With regard to those swallowed by the earth, the Torah says, They were swallowed, their houses, and all the people who belonged to Korach and, the property, and their property. Parenthetically, we'll point out and we'll continue to point out that Korach here appears with those who were swallowed by the earth. 
Those who were swallowed by the earth were utterly wiped out. We read about their wives, their children, their babies, their homes, their property. Nothing was left. No memory of them. This is reminiscent of Shmuel's commandment to Shaul to wipe out Amalek. Now you shall go smite Amalek and destroy everything that they have and do not have mercy on them and kill from man to woman, from baby to nursing baby, from a, from a, from a cow to a sheep, from a, don from, a, from a camel to a donkey. When wiping out an evil, we do not want to leave any memory of that evil. So we are commanded to destroy man and property. So this is, was the fate of the Tananaviram and perhaps Korach. In contrast, not only are the 250 leaders alone punished, not their families and not their property, but their ketoret pans, their machtot, are left behind as a memorial. And not just anywhere, on the altar. The contrast here certainly raises an eyebrow. Let us note an additional point. Does this story of offering ketoret and being consumed by divine fire sound familiar? Of course it does. It takes us back to Parshat Shmini and Sefer Vayikra, to the story of Nadav and Avihu. After Aharon completes his offerings, blesses the nation, him and Moshe enter the Mishkan and exit it, bless the nation together, the Torah states in chapter 9 of Vayikra, Pasuk 24, A divine fire exited from God, eating what was on the altar, the Ola offering, and all the chalavim, the fatty parts of the other animals that were offered. However, at the same time that Aharon was, be, was acting on behalf of the nation, or subsequently, this is an argument between the commentaries in, in Vayikra, Nadav and Avihu are described in the following way. Vayikhu b'nei Aharon Nadav Avihu this verse, at the beginning of chapter 1, parallels verse 18 in chapter 16, almost word for word. The identical words except for changing who the subject of the sentence, Nadav Avihu or the 250 men. The result by Nadav and Avihu in chapter 10, Vatetseesh milifnei Hashem batochalotam, parallels our story in verse 35. The, the, the fire is exiting from God and consuming. Nadav and Avihu, and consuming the 250 men who offered Ketoret, of course, Nadav and Avihu also offered Ketoret. Various Midrashim, noting this parallel state, that the same fire that consumes the offerings, the same fire that comes from the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies, 
is the same fire that consumed Nadav and Avihu. And that fire also consumed the 250 leaders who offered the Ketorot. This parallel opens a new perspective of understanding the 250 men who offered the Ketorot. Nadav and Avihu sinned and deserved to die, but they are sinners that are held in high esteem. Their intentions were to come closer to God. As Moshe says to Aharon, Bikrovai Ekadesh, those who are close to me, with them I shall show my holiness, I will appear in my glory. They did something with good intentions, but they did it in the wrong way. They were killed. But a fire from the Holy of Holies, that's how they were consumed. That's a fire that is reserved for offerings. This is a death sentence, but, is a death, but it is a death sentence that stems from wanting to come too close to God, wanting to come close to God in the wrong way. This being the case, the parallel implies a similar comment on the 250 leaders. Wanting to be part of the kehuna to serve God, is understandable. It is even praiseworthy. The means of rebelling against Moshe and questioning him was all wrong. The result, the 250 are killed, but not utterly destroyed. Their children survive. Their belongings, their property survive. Their pans survive and become part of the altar. There is some level of respect towards them. Their death in this manner separates them from the death of, of Datan and Aviram, who are swallowed by the earth and nothing is left of them. Could Moshe have handled things differently? When the confrontation for Datan and Aviram was introduced, it was introduced by God. In verse 23-24, in the previous chapter, God commands everyone to go around Korach, Datan and Aviram's dwellings. In other words, God initiated their end. With regard to the confrontation with the 250 leaders, we discussed in the first section of this parasha the disagreement between the Ramban and the Rashbam as to whether God commanded the details of that confrontation, as was the Rashbam's opinion, or Moshe initiated it, as the, was the Ramban's opinion. If we accept the Ramban's opinion, which was the simple reading of the text, because God did not speak in those verses, then Moshe initiated the confrontation. And recall, before he tried diplomacy, he initiated this confrontation against a group that was misguided, unjustified, but, if we are correct, apparently had decent enough intention, intentions to warrant an end similar to Nadav and Avihu, who, as we said, are held in high esteem. Did it have to end like this? I am not questioning the punishment as it was divine, but were the events guided by Moshe in the best way possible? The next section we will read will be even more telling regarding this question. Verse, verse 6. But on the next day, all the congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moshe and Aaron, saying, You are the ones who have caused the death of, the Lord, of Hashem's people. After these two fantastic wonders of miracles, the swallowing of the, of the earth, 
and the consuming by divine fire, the nation does not accept God's judgment? They complain the next day. Parenthetically note that here the Torah does say the events took place the next day, Mimochorat, whereas the confrontation with the 250 leaders, which was supposed to take place the next day, the Torah did not say so, as we previously discussed. Were these miracles not sufficient to see God's hands? How can they blame Moshe and Aaron after these tremendous miracles? The Rashbam formulates the following comment, which is echoed by many other commentaries as well. Al-Datan v'aviram habluim anumotim shechatu. Regarding Datan v'aviram that were swallowed by the earth, we admit that they sinned. Aval hamataim v'chamishim ish shemeitu kemitat nadav avihu atem haragtem otam shetzivitam laktir haketoret. But regarding the 250 men who died like Nadav and Avihu, you killed them because you commanded them to offer the Ketoret. The confrontation with Datan and Aviram successfully convinced the nation. The confrontation with the 250 leaders ending in their death by divine fire not only did not succeed to convince but brought on a new wave of complaints by the nation. The rebellion is far from over. It had spread from the leaders of the rebellion to the nation, and the results will be catastrophic, as we will soon read. Once again, this brings into question the test of the Ketoret initiated by Moshe as the correct path to choose. If it was supposed to convince the nation, it did not end the rebellion. It spread the fires of the rebellion from the leaders to the nation. Verse 7. It came about, however, when the congregation had assembled against Moshe and Aaron that they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of Hashem appeared. Then Moshe and Aharon came to the front of the tent of the meeting. For the second time in this parasha, and the third time in the last two parashiyot, God reveals His glory, a sign which we have learned correlates with perhaps anger, an upcoming interaction of rebuke and punishment. Verse 9. And Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them instantly. Then they fell on their faces. Echoing the, the words in verse 21 in the previous chapter, almost word for word, He badlu and here we read, Using our translation, in the first instance, separate yourselves. In our instance, get away. Let us note two major differences. Get away is a far more urgent cry than separate yourself. Number two, the question of which Ada is this verse referring to, which in the first instance we presented as intentionally ambiguous. Is it referring to the entire congregation, or is it referring only to Korach and his congregation? 
a disagreement between Rabbeinu Hananel and the Ramban, here in this instance is 100% clear. The Eidah, the limited rebellious Eidah, is dead. Therefore, the only Eidah that this could be referring to is the expansive term meaning a nation. Recognizing this urgency and the meaning of God's words, Moshe understands that a reaction cannot be delayed. An immediate response is necessary. Verse 11. Moshe said to Aharon, Take your pan and put it in it fire from the altar and lay incense on it. Then bring it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for the wrath has gone forth from Hashem. The plague has begun. Moshe understands that the nation is already in trouble. The urgency. They are not about to be in trouble. God is not threatening to punish. Therefore, this is not a time for prayer. This is a time for action that could save the people. Let us note. Moshe's words to Aharon and compare them to the two previous incidents of Ketorah that led to death. Nadav and Avihu and the 250 leaders. Moshe said to Aaron. Parallels. And parallels the words describing the 250 men. The same verbs, the same nouns, identical. Identical actions. Let us now see the results. Verse 12. Then Aharon took it as Moshe had spoken and ran into the midst of the assembly. For behold, the plague had begun among the people. So he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. He took his stand between the dead and the living so that the plague ended. In this dramatic turn of events, the identical action that Nadav and Avihu did of their own initiation, that the 250 leaders did at Moshe's initiation, and in those two instances led to death, this time at Moshe's initiation, Aharon does the exact same action, but instead the Ketoret does not lead to death, but saves multitude, multitudes from the jaws of death. Verse 14. But those who died by the plague were 14,700 besides those who died on account of Korach. Then Aharon returned to Moshe at the doorway of the tent of meeting, for the plague had ended. 14,700 dead, in addition to the 250 men, in addition to the Tanan Aviram and their families. 
the number of dead here are unparalleled to this point in time. In Parshat Balak, nearly 40 years later, we will learn of a greater death toll at the sin of Baal Peor, 24,000 to be precise. But as far as the death toll is experienced till this point in the wilderness, we know of no greater death toll. The sin of the golden calf records 3,000 people killed at the hands of the Levim. Perhaps more died by plague, but we do not know how many. Nor do we know how many died at Tavera, when they were burned at the edge of the camp. Nor do we know how many people died at Kivrotatava, when people died from at, at the, in the aftermath of eating the quail, in the aftermath of complaining of the lack of meat. Those two sins that took casualties in Parshat Balotcha. Nor do we know how many Ma'apilim died in last week's parasha when Bnei Israel insisted on going up to Eretz Israel to capture it against Moshe's commandment. Once again, no numbers are given there. This is the greatest total, total of casualties. And the number would have been greater had Aharon not run, intervene, and put an end to this plague at God's hands with none other than the Ketoret. A lesson to be learned. Not the action with the Ketoret itself is what kills. Ketoret is equally dangerous or life-saving. It depends who does the action. Is it mandated by God, by Moshe? So now perhaps the people see that the Ketoret per se was not dangerous, it was the guilt of the 250, le 250 leaders that caused their deaths. Perhaps the complaints are finished. Perhaps they are over. One more item here of intertextuality has to be addressed. Using intertextuality, we saw two instances of the inappropriate use of Ketorah leading to death by divine fire. We explained that the intertextuality, in fact, in fact, makes us understand that the 250 men who were consumed by the divine fire were similar to Nadav and Avihu, that while they made a terrible mistake, they in fact made a mistake that demanded their death, but showed that they had good intentions. The story here of Aharon saving the people with Ketoret has also has a related event intertextually in the service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur in Vayikra in chapter 17. There too the Ketoret is brought with similar words. We read about Aharon in this week's parasha. In this week's parasha. And with regard to the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur it says, so we have the same words, just like here Aharon atones and saves from death, so too the Ketoret is brought as part of a greater procedure to atone for the nation, and specifically to save from death. In our parasha, 
Aharon is described as V'chaper alehem V'yichaper ala'am V'yamod bein hametim uven achayim He stands between the dead and the living. He protects from death. So too in the Avodah of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, V'chisa anan haketorit et hakaporit asher alaidut velo yamut. The ketorit has the ability to save from death. V'chiper ba'ado ve'ad beito. Ki v'yom hazeh yechaper alechem. The purpose of the Avodah, the service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur is to atone. Thus, the ketorit is neither a killer nor a saver. The appropriate user of ketorit at the appropriate time not only will not will not only die, but he can save others from an imminent death. The inappropriate user and the inappropriate time will lead to an imminent death. The ketorit, the right place at the right time, can save and can atone. So in this section we learned about the 250 leaders who offered ketorit. We compared them to Nadav and Avihu. We questioned whether Moshe's tactic was a good one, considering that it brought upon a newer and greater rebellion. And we saw that the Ketoret in this new rebellion had the ability not only to save people, but to atone for their sins.